Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. The premier HVAC company in the Midlands is growing. Are you a top HVAC technician? AAA Heating and Air is looking for dedicated applicants to fill their fast-growing service department with top-notch HVAC technicians. If you're the best, then they want you. If you're ready to stop working and start a career, you can earn up to $100,000 a year at AAA Heating and Air. Quality candidates will have at least two years' experience and a good driving record. Benefits include top industry salaries, commission on service and unit sales, set call limits, company-provided take-home vehicle and gas card, company-provided cell phone and tablet, health, dental, and vision benefits, 401k retirement plan with company match and scaled PTO based on length of service. Contact Roy and Dana Finley at 803-677-1500 or check out their job postings on Facebook or ZipRecruiter. Triple A air when you need us. Triple A heating and air. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia. 107.5 The Game on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Even better than I was the last time, baby. Ooh, 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 ooh. We'll be back. I'm And welcome in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game broadcasting all over the Palmetto State, Columbia, Myrtle Beach, Florence, Tyler, Weston, Chris along with you. Thursday morning, beautiful Thursday morning. Sun's finally out after all the rain and gray skies we had over the past couple of days. Really kind of fits the mood as we are on the cusp of college football really getting started, Wes. There are games on tonight. Will you actually be watching these games? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm... Um, these are these count. These games count. They're they real. count. This is week one. Actually, going to shout out to our our buddies over at the Fireflies as well. Going to be over there hanging out a little bit as USC night over there. Okay. Um, any Gamecock fans, if you looking for something to do tonight, they're having their USC night. I guess about a seven, about seven o'clock, seven o five. Um, about to say kickoff, first pitch. But guys, I mean, banner day in the capital city. Every time there's a, a big storm like that, when it rolls along, I don't know if this is a scientific thing or not. I, I guess it maybe is. It just, like, pulls everything along with it the mm-hmm. very next day. I mean, chef's kiss, beautiful outside. And the weather on Saturday evening. Looking good. You're, you're going to be warm at the tailgate. Don't sure. get me wrong. Like sure. The sun's still going to be beating down. But by kickoff, I mean, we're talking mid-70s, clear skies. No rain. It is, it is, it's all setting up nicely. Yeah, it definitely cools things off a little bit. I'm sure we'll be back to 100 degrees here in a couple weeks for one of those home games. But for right now, we'll enjoy the 80s. This is fake fall starting right now, I think. That's right. Fake fall. What, what are we, what are we thinking about the games tonight? Which ones are you watching? Florida, Utah is the obvious. Sure. Right. That's the big one. But I've got a couple other ones I've got my eye on. I'll be watching. I've got. 
I'm interested actually in seeing Missouri. Now, they play South Dakota. Right. But just now, uh, Matt Zenitz from On Three reported Missouri has their starter, and it's Brady Cook. He had been, that's who played South Carolina last year, right. in Williams Bryce. He had been battling with Sam Horn, a younger quarterback there, who was a pretty good mm, prospect. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It, baseball it, player, football player. It certainly seemed like, from what Drinkwitz said the other week, that he was really big on Sam Horn, yep. but. They couldn't decide. but And again, playing South Dakota, you're getting the opportunity to see both those guys. So just because Brady Cook's starting tonight doesn't mean he's going to be the guy yep. going forward because Horn could go out there and play as, you know, play amazingly, and they go with him going forward. <laughs> you, you, you caught yourself like Beamer the yeah, other day there? I, I, I did. I almost said something I shouldn't have. Jake Garcia also in that mix. But it seems like, you're right, Tyler, it seems like it's been Horn and Brady Cook. So get a, kind of a look at, at Brady Cook again tonight. Maybe, probably Sam Horn, like you said, Tyler. Uh, Drinkwitz has said that competition will go into the season as well. So it's probably not over. If you want to look at Marcus Satterfield's offense in Nebraska, you can also check that out tonight, taking on Minnesota at 8 o'clock on Fox. Yeah, J- Jake Garcia sounds like the replacement uh, creative player that they would put in for <laughs> when Caleb Williams doesn't sign the uh, the deal to be in the NCAA yes. game. Do you remember Jake Garcia's saga of how he's ultimately ended up at Missouri? No, no. Yeah. He was he was the highly tatted quarterback recruit out of California, whose parents legally separated so he could move to Georgia yep. and play in Valdosta for uh, Rush Probst. Got caught and was ruled ineligible. Transferred to I think it went to Buford to end his high school yep, days. Is Buford, and then ended up at Miami. And you know, obviously, everything changed down there with Mario Cristobal, and now he's at Missouri. You're saying that Rush Probst pulled. Some rush things behind the scenes. <laughs> rush no, no. used nefarious really? tactics to get him there. Allegedly. Yes. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. And, you know, he was fired after the season. But that, I'm sure, had, had nothing to do had with no, it. Absolutely nothing to do with it. But, yeah, th- those are the three. I mean, Sean Elliott's team debuting tonight, the 2023 season. Chris is going deep Rhode on Island, this, uh, Thursday I'm just, night matchup. I'm, I'm giving I'm giving a few, a few games. I mean, that one has a, a game cocky tie, but uh, I won't go... Are you watching SFPA versus WMU? I'm not. Do you know who that is? Uh, SFPA. Uh, There's Francis, a Gamecock connection. St. Francis, yes. former yes. home of Jason Brown. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm assuming they've just jumped up to FCS in football because you typically don't see them getting scheduled. I couldn't tell you at all. I really uh, couldn't I, tell I think you. that's I guess correct. Western um, Michigan. I have no clue. Either yeah. that or they just started a football program. We will not dive into North Carolina A&T at UAB, but I, I did want to highlight those other games. And you're right, there, there might there may be, how many, is there a percentage of Gamecock fans that will tune in to Nebraska and Minnesota tonight just to root for P.J. Fleck and the Gophers? I, I think there's I think a decent so. amount. There, there's a fascination there. I'll, I want to tune in. Yeah, E.J. Jenkins, by the way, as well from St. Francis. There you go. Yeah, forgot him. But I, I'm I'm all in on Utah... I'm all in on Utah and Florida. That's I feel like that's the one that has an intrigue. But it's a marquee matchup. But I, I will. I, I am frankly curious to see some Nebraska. I, I mean, say what you want. Matt Rule in college. I mean, he's a fantastic coach. Like he, he really is. He, yeah. He will win there. I think. No, I thought Frost was going to win there too. But <laughs> you know, I, I think he can get the job done. Also, shout out to Nebraska for. 
having 92,003 fans for that a volleyball was crazy. Match. That was a, awesome. They had a whole flyover, the whole nine yards. That was cool. They had the old school uh, Chicago Bulls entrance music. I mean, hat, hats off. Incredible. Awesome. We'll, we will see other schools try to um, put something together like that as well. I don't know if you can replicate a sellout, though, or 92,000. Well, mo- most stadiums now, man, they're getting smaller. That's true. Actually breaking that record would be pretty tough, I feel like. And that that's more fans than go to their football games because they had fans <laughs> on the field right. as well. I, I know, like, Iowa does, like, wrestling on at Kennett Stadium uh, like once a year or something like that, but I don't think they sell it out. So a non-revenue sport like that selling out the football stadium, that's impressive. Yeah, super awesome. Shout out to them. But what what do we think about this Florida-Utah matchup? Because it, it's trending more and more. It seems like the reporting it, is saying Cam Rising is not playing. Yes, yeah, so Cam Rising has been ruled out for this game. They're going to go with Bryson Barnes, who started one game last year, and they beat um, Washington State. Um, Nate Johnson, who's a retro freshman, they're going to apparently bring in for some wildcat packages. But yeah, Cam Ryzen, who's played college football for the past 20 years, it seems like, and gets hurt every other game, it seems like, as well. Not going to be out there, um, so we're going to have to rely on that defense tonight. Who did you pick, Wes? What's your pick for this game? That's a good question, Chris. I know who he picked because Colin told me he's the only one that picked Florida. Wait, did I pick Who's Florida? Who's he, Wes? Colin. No, no, Colin's the only one that picked Florida. Oh, so yeah. Everybody I thought, else I, thought had to I was the Utah. he in that sentence. If we were diagramming it yeah, in yeah, fourth-grade English class. Uh, well, yeah, Utah. Great chance for them to win. Yeah. No, I, I feel like it is, this is a typical week one. Yeah. Like, it, it's going to be tight. There will be some mistakes. Utah is obviously starting a backup quarterback. But Florida's quarterback situation, I mean, it's kind of just... Like it's not, you don't look at Florida's quarterback situation and be like, oh, they have a dynamic guy who can go win you a game. Yeah, Graham Mertz very much the game manager when he was at Wisconsin. He has Ricky Purcell coming back, Florida's leading receiver. And you do feel like you have a strong running game with Montrell Johnson and uh, Trevor Etienne. Questions on the offensive line, though, kind of see this has the, all the makings of a very low-scoring, grinded-out type of game. Yeah, it's going to be, a, I think, just your typical kind of tough physical matchup. A little bit of a throwback game is kind of what we can expect. Yeah, Florida's offense, what we saw from them like back in the spring, certainly didn't inspire. Was that 10-7 a lot of spring games? Yeah, well, you know, and it was a spring game. But, I mean, quarterback is a big thing, right? So you, yep. you got a question for Florida. You obviously have now a big question for Utah. For me, I kind of gave Utah the nod because I just – it's just kind of a gut feel, you know. Their, their defense, well, that's just that's just kind of my feel. But I, I think we'll know a little bit more about this Florida team afterwards. Again, I have not been as high on them with the quarterback concern being number one. I reckon that their defense could be pretty good, their run game could be pretty good. But I mean, you got to have good quarterback play to have yeah. a good year. And um, the heat is on Billy is. Napier already a yep. little bit to to deliver. They're, they're recruiting very well. But they do need to win some games this season. It also can't be understated that you're playing at the high altitude out there in Salt Lake City, something that Florida clearly is not used to. And I'm sure they've gone through preparations and training and stuff in camp in the offseason to get them ready for that. But there's going to be nothing quite like actually playing this game. You get in the third and fourth quarter against a physical defense like Utah, it's going to wear on you, and that's going to have an effect. There's only so much you can do, I would think, to 
prepare for that. Right. So, uh, you know, long travel, you're, you're, most of your guys probably really aren't used to, to that much travel out, you know, to the West either. So there, there's a lot, I feel like, that goes against Florida in this. You, you would think, you know, the whole SEC speed, SEC size would kind of factor in for them. But, man, Utah has been just a very impressive, very consistent program. And, you know, I, I think, like Chris said, this, this is going to be maybe a little bit of an old-school matchup. Let's battle it out. Who can uh, – it's kind of one of those who can avoid the most mistakes right. type game in, in week one, I think. But um, you, you got to like Utah's chances. By the way, I I don't know if I've ever heard Chris Clark say, man, guys, I'm higher on Florida this year. Than everybody else. No, I told you. Uh, I mean, it's a y'all, trend. Y'all brought it up the other day. I'm always higher on Missouri and mm-hmm. lower on Florida than the rest of the world. It's just, it's a thing I have. Just, just let me have it. Right. By the way, speaking of weather in Salt Lake, the weather in Charlotte, Wes, gonna be pretty nice. Our guy Daniel Bonds, WLTX, kickoff, not 7:30, but about 7:44. But at that time, mainly cleared up. About 75 when you're tailgating. It's going to be in the 80s. Should be pretty nice. Light wind. Should be a really nice night on Saturday. Should be perfect. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. One more note from Florida and uh, Utah coming up tonight. Florida has never defeated ranked opponents in back-to-back season openers before. So defeated Utah, a ranked team last year down in the swamp, facing a ranked Utah team tonight out in Salt Lake City. Never before. Well, we'll either see history or... We'll see fans ready to fire Billy Napier in, in week one, frankly. How, how about Dow Loggins yesterday? Did y'all catch the, um, yeah, there's not really a honeymoon period in the SEC or the NFL, mainly thanks to people like you and Twitter <laughs> is pretty much what he said. That was awesome. Yeah, so Napier is not obviously year one, but, I mean, honeymoon already, already pretty much over, I feel like. Uh, speaking of Dow Loggins, we'll hear from him as the coordinators did speak to the media yesterday, as well as Coach White and Coach Limbo, as the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, rolls on here on the game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 1075 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. We feel good. Had uh, had a, a very average day yesterday, to be honest, in practice. Uh, today was a lot better, which that can happen when you're putting in stuff for the first time you're going through a week for the first time you're going against a service team a scout team for the first time still mixing in reps of good on good so part of the process of going uh you know obviously i I felt better about today and then we'll clean some stuff up today and move till tomorrow and put in some of the red area stuff and uh, i think we're on track where we need to be Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game Tyler West and Chris along with you that was the voice of Dow Loggins Gamecock's offensive coordinator feeling good about the offense Felt good about the offense the entire offseason. It seems like every player, every coach we've asked about it has said pretty much the same thing without giving us literally any insight into what it's going to look like. Two days away from finally seeing this thing come to fruition on Saturday night, and hopefully we're feeling good about it too. Yeah, we'll find out. First three and out. Uh, fans will be over this. But, you know, I think we got to remember 
yeah, it is still always going to be a work in progress in, in week one. Um, you know, there are going to be some times where it looks ugly. There'll probably be some times where it looks, what, really, really good, you would think. I'm very curious to see exactly what this thing looks like. What does the tempo look like? Uh, how downfield is it? How many times do we see Spencer Rattler changing things at the line of scrimmage, sort of uh, going off on his own and, and having that power and responsibility to do that? And I'm curious to see how those offensive tackles perform, whichever two guys it is, uh, against a North Carolina front that is strangely very highly recruited, but has actually not really done a ton. It, it's it's a little bit hard to understand because they have, by all indications, two phenomenal linebackers. Mm-hmm. You you hear Beamer talk about these guys. You hear Mac Brown talk about these guys. Their their linebackers are are very good. Then I'm I'm looking at the defensive front, defensive line. These are all like half of these guys. South Carolina recruited and prioritized and and went heavily after. You got Desmond Evans in there, a guy who was a stud pass rusher out of high school. And you know I'm I'm like, why aren't they better up front? So both. Both schools, both teams have tried to get more physical this offseason. I actually went back and watched the UNC spring game, and the entire talk was, hey, we're trying to be more physical up front on offense and defense. We're trying to run the football and stop the run. I'm like, wow, that sounds very familiar. So (laughs) which of these schools, which of these teams, which of these fronts can actually successfully do that uh, will be, as much as we're going to talk about the quarterbacks, the, the fronts will be something to keep a close eye on this weekend. Well, and therein lies a similarity with both these teams because, I mean, I caught your, your joke there, Wes, that everybody in the world who is a football coach is going to say, you got to run the ball, got to stop the run. But this is two teams that both are looking to improve in that category. You know, um, I, I think running the football for South Carolina is probably a bigger question offensively just because of what we saw last year. Chip Lindsey's bringing a system that has, I would say, a little bit more of a proven you know, track record of running mm-hmm. football. You know, it's, it's a guy who's been with Gus Malzahn a couple different times. You know, They always prioritize running the football, some years more successful than others. But that Troy team that Chip Lindsey brought in here in 2021, that was an ugly game. Carolina won. I think it was 23 to 14. Does that sound right? Yeah. They ran for a lot but of yards that day. 4.7 yards a carry mm-hmm. for Troy. I mean, I, I remember watching that game and it, you know, extremely frustrating game for South Carolina's defense. So their system can be tough. But both of these teams have not done nearly well enough in, in stopping the run the past couple of years. So I think lost in the talk, somewhat lost in the talk about Spencer Rattler and Drake May. All, all that talk is well-deserved. But lost in that is, you know, Chip Lindsey's offense and the stable of backs that North Carolina has. And then what effect will Dow Loggins and the way he's going to administer the offense and South Carolina's running backs, that aspect of this game, I think, has been lost a little. He spoke about the running backs and his optimism for them coming into Saturday night yesterday as well. Yeah, it's more um, excitement to figure that out when we play and we put the ball down. I mean, you really don't know... You know, in the NFL, we got preseason games, and we'd scrimmage another team. So you always kind of knew, hey, this is what we are. 
Um, the one difficulty I do have is sometimes like only being at one spot. Like when I got to Arkansas, I thought we I thought we stunk. I just came from the NFL. I was like, man, we're gonna be bad. We won nine games. Um, and so, so there's a talent. You know, it's the NFL that costs football. Um, I know <clears throat> I know that I'm excited to see how our guys perform when the when the when the spotlight's on. It's a game situation. We're playing against someone else. We're playing against a a group that doesn't know everything we do. Obviously, you practice against these guys so much on our defense. Like they start to they know they know who what formations we like. They like what they know what tendencies we have. They know um, Spencer's cadences and they get to hear play calls and they they're trying to hear everything in the huddle. Like hey, I think he said 19. Like you know trying to do all that stuff. So um, you know it's I'm excited to see what it looks like on Saturday. I'm optimistic about it. He says he's optimistic, but there's a shade of uncertainty in there as well. And obviously, Carryon Jordan has played every position, it seems like, on the offense. And you don't doubt that he's going to have the ability to play running back really, really well. But it's one of those things, again, you've seen it in practice, you've seen it in scrimmages. You don't know what's going to look like in an actual game situation until it takes that first handoff. I love the honesty from that answer. And I, I felt like it was kind of a... It was fairly unfiltered for exactly how he feels about it mm-hmm. as far as press conferences go. And uh, even throwing in the little note there about how oh, I got to Arkansas, I was like, wow, wow we stink. Well, it was because you've been watching NFL. The best of the best. The literal best of the best years. for 15 years. You're like, oh, man, these guys aren't on par with that. Well, yeah, that's how it works. But, I, uh, you know, I, like I said, some some real honesty there. And you don't, you just do not know until you play an opponent, I've, you know, I, I continue to hear the little push, the little chirps about, hey, let's play a preseason game. Let's do something to give us an idea of what we're working with. And obviously that's not the focus right now, but you kind of get the feeling all these coaches would um, basically have a uh, preference uh, of doing that. But run, running, running game stuff, I feel like, on both sides of the ball, you don't do enough tackling in practice this is everybody i feel like it's hard to get a feel because you have to keep your guys healthy you don't you don't tackle to the ground a ton so you can block in practice at at 100 percent and still go thud on your tackling but I, I do feel like for for running backs themselves it's hard to get a feel for some of that stuff just mm-hmm. in camp so I, I think a a great first test for, for both these sides. I mean, and even, here's the thing. Let's say South Carolina comes out. Let's say they struggle a bit offensively off top, like first three or four drives. Okay, is South Carolina struggling or has North Carolina improved their defense? Let's say it goes the other way. Carolina scores on three of their, fourth, three of their first four drives. Okay, are they really, really good on offense or does North Carolina still stink on defense? Even <laughs> then, you don't know, but... You'd much rather have that data than just fighting amongst yourselves for a full month of practice. Well, and it's, I think South Carolina taking advantage of a crummy defense would be a step in the right direction. I mean, we didn't. Like Arkansas, let, let's use Arkansas since Dow Loggins brought them up. You remember that was kind of their Achilles heel last season. They weren't very good on defense. They had injuries. Remember they were missing a couple guys mm-hmm. early in the year when they played South Carolina. And Spencer Rattler threw for, gosh, I think 377 in that game, something like that. But it was up and down. It was sure. inconsistent. That some turnovers, right? Marshawn Lloyd had a fumble. Spencer threw 
a pick like on the Arkansas 15 going into the end zone. Um, and they were kind of up and down. They, they put up 30 points. They put up a bunch of yards. But overall, could you say they really exploited Arkansas's defense? Not really. And so uh, I think that's what you want to see is just more consistency, right? not such uneven play. Uh, the turnovers will be a big part. right? If they, they come out of this game week one and they're cleaner with the football as far as decision-making, no fumbles by the running backs, no picks by Spencer Rattler, I think that'll be a, a big sign. Are we going to be able to make some huge, like, generic blanket statement that the offense is fixed? No, I don't mm. think so. But we, we do need to at least see some signs of, of life. And I think we can see some improvements that we can maybe extrapolate to how the rest of the year may go. Right. Let's play, let's play a game on the other side. I'm, I'm going to give you all time to think about it. Okay. Remember last year when we played the Magic Wand game? I think it was going into Tennessee. And it was you can, you can wave the Magic Wand. And apparently the wand worked <laughs> because Carolina's offense had their best game of the year. <laughs> But if you could, and this is good for the Firehouse Subs text line as well, okay. 803-404-6100, if you could wave the wand and have one question mark just completely handled. So let's say that's offensive, offensive tackle is a question mark. Boom, done. Offensive tackle solved on Saturday. Uh, run defense, boom, Carolina gives up 1.6 yards per carry on defense. Boom, handled. You could fix one question. Which one, as a Gamecock fan out there listening, would you pick? Or for us, which one do you think would be most beneficial to South Carolina if you could wave the the magic Gamecock Central takeover our wand here on the game? Let us know your answer. Firehouse subs text on 803-404-6100. We'll hit that coming up. You're listening to Gamecock Central takeover hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game. What you're talking about. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. On your home of The Gamecocks. In Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5 The Game in Florence. You know, we still, there's still some question marks at a couple positions, and that's obviously one. Um, we're working through some things, still co- some competition going on, and uh, we're going to use the whole week to, to make sure that we make the right decision, the best decision for the football team. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Tyler West and Chris along with you. That was the voice of Dal Loggins once again talking about that offensive line and obviously one of the big question marks coming in to this game, and we'll jump back into the game that Wes presented to us uh, just before the break there. If you could wave your magic wand, what is one thing that you would just like to know and have fixed for Saturday night? And I imagine a lot of people would probably lean on the offensive line because so much what you do on offense has to do with that protection you have up front. Yeah, see, there's a lot of directions you could take this thing. You could say, hey, I want to fix the offensive tackles. You could say, I want to fix the the run fits up front on defense. I want to fix... Um, the entire running back rotation, because, you know, going through the, the things Beamer has said are still question marks. Hey, I want to fix all the backup wide receivers because that's still unsettled as well. Um, I want to answer these questions by waving my magic wand. Chris, where are you waving the wand? And are we, are we all going offensive tackle is what I'm curious to see. No, 
Okay. No. Good. 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 And let, let me give my reasoning on that. So obviously that would be in the top few or maybe even number two. I haven't unpacked it that much, but I do think that South Carolina has the capability to be able to make some off-platform plays. Now, that's not to say if, if North Carolina's in the backfield all night, it's probably going to be a long night. Um, but I think Spencer Rattler has shown off-schedule plays. He can make some. Um, I think Dow Loggins can, you know, do some things schematically and from a game plan standpoint that might help you there. Um, I, and I tried to prioritize these. So I'm actually going to pick just run defense, control. And I don't know how much, I don't know if our wind uh, automatically, did you say is we it, can get it, like 1.5 yards a carry? I don't know yeah, how far we can a, go with it's this. It's a pretty powerful wind, okay. as we saw last year. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, we, it literally, the offense was just fixed. So, yeah. we're, I mean, 1.5 yards yeah. per carry allowed. I, I won't even go that far. Let, let's just generalize it and say that South Carolina controls North Carolina's run game, whatever that looks like. To me, that'd be a significant development. Now, Drake May is good enough to say, Drake, you're throwing the ball 50 times this game. Go beat him. He, he can probably do it. And he can also run. I, I'm kind of including Drake's own running ability in here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a magical wand. I mean, he, he had... A bunch he was their of leading yards. rusher. Last he was their year. leading yeah. rusher. We know right. Chip Lindsey likes the RPO. He likes the RPO. Mm-hmm. Um, that Auburn kind of ish style works better when you have a quarterback that can run, which Drake May certainly can. But I look back. So look at back at the 2021 North Carolina South Carolina game, and, and obviously two different teams. There'll be a few of the same guys on the field, not many. British Brooks, who's back for them. Pete Limbo talked about how he's going to be a key player on special teams, also going to be one of their top running backs. So in that 2021 game, British Brooks had 72 yards. He was their leading rusher, but 63 of those came on a touchdown. Long touchdown. They only ran the ball 29 times. 13 of those were Sam Howell, and a bunch of them were sacks. You know, so this is not sack adjusted. But in that game, you know, aside from that one long carry, British Brooks had four carries for nine yards. Ty Chandler in that game averaged 3.2 yards a carry. You know, um, and actually Drake May got in that game, had had two rushes for 24 yards playing at the end of the game. So the point is here, the recipe that South Carolina followed in that game was make them, you know, don't let them run the football, particularly with this new offense. I think that's going to be a key. Um it's weird to say make Drake may beat you, but I just I don't think South Carolina can let the Tar Heels be balanced offensively and expect to win the game and expect to get enough stops. So I would pick run defense. I would include Drake May's own running ability in that equation with my magic wand. Well, did did you read our buddy Chris Pascal's verdict this week? He uh, yep. he said the key for South Carolina, in his opinion, make North Carolina throw. Yeah, and it, it sounds a little bit counterintuitive but if, if you kind of dial into it there is I mean it, it does make some sense if if Drake May throws the ball 50 times but they they average like nothing on the ground that probably does work into South Carolina's favor quite a bit all right Tyler I'll go to you next where is your wand going for the Gamecocks I'll stick with the offensive line particularly the tackles because again if they're in the backfield. Like Chris said, it's going to be a long night. We hope 
We have the ability to run the ball well. And again, we have so many questions at running back. You need more certainty on the offensive line to make you feel better about that and, you know, keep Spencer Rattler upright so we can make those throws and uh, keep the offense going in the right direction. Yeah, I'm going to agree because I, I think you hear so much about the offseason, the preseason that Spencer Rattler has had. And then you say, all right, They've got to be able to take advantage of that. And the way to do that is to give him just enough time to operate. And, you know, I think you look around the country, teams struggle to find, like, viable, consistent offensive tackles. It's just not it's not easy to do with it, as good as the pass rushers are out there, um, you know, around college football these days. So if you could wave your wand and have offensive tackle, you know, be good to go, I, I think – they're they're going to be pretty good inside on the interior, so I, I think that would extend if our if our wand is sort of saying hey this this question is answered, then that probably extends into helping the running game as well. There's going to be room to operate there, and this is really an offense that if you could answer that question, you're probably saying hey they they're going to put up some points this year, right. uh, you know. But we've all seen offenses where they have every other thing in place and then they bog down because there's just not enough consistent push up front. Or we've seen those offenses that inside the 20s, they're just rolling. And then they get down into the goal line where they have to just kind of man up and, and knock you back and, and really run the football. And, and they kind of bog down in, you know, inside the 20s. So I, I think that's something to keep an eye on this week as well. I go to the Firehouse Subs text line. A lot of people siding with Chris on this. Very, very heavy on the run defense. Nick, Brock. Jacob all saying run defense, uh, obviously, you know, stop the run. usually can control things from that standpoint. So a lot of people leaning that way. We got some football guys on there, it sounds like. Definitely Stop so. the run and run the football. Uh, Win games. Oh, this one's interesting. Todd, tackling. Is it Todd Ellis? Just tackling in general. I mean, that that's always... I, I, I do feel like, and I, I have no statistical analysis to back this up. I feel like South Carolina has actually been a pretty good tackling team the last couple of years. Here's 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 the stat that I gave yesterday to Wes. It was shocking. Okay, so last year, Nick Eamon-Worry was the team's leading tackler, right? And there's a lot of conversation about those guys and how good they are. And they certainly had incredible freshman years, especially given the circumstances, right? Not enrolling till the summer. DQ Smith hadn't even played DB since eighth grade. Those two were actually the two leaders of missed tackles as well on this team per PFF. Now, that's not uncommon to have a safety or like a linebacker, somebody who's going to have the most opportunities to make tackles. It kind of follows that they may have also the most missed tackles. But not only did they lead in that category, the numbers were a little highish too. And so that's something that I feel like has gotten a little bit maybe under-discussed is just the reason I bring that up is because as well as those guys played last year, they could potentially be a good bit better sure. in year two. And on the back end, some of those missed tackles that turned into big plays, touchdowns, if you limit those, that's going to help you a lot. Yeah. Uh, one more here. Cocky D says, want to fix play calling? That's obviously what we hope that Dow Loggins is going to do. But again, not going to know until we see it on Saturday night. We won't. Hey, I mean, if you got a magic wand, that seems like a good place to start. So, um, yeah, I like the answers. All all these things are important. So we're and, and we we probably have a different answer after this Saturday. Definitely so. 
Uh, we'll come back. Uh, one cut from Coach White from yesterday. Something that we haven't really talked a whole lot about with this North Carolina team that could be very important come Saturday night. That's coming up. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. It does. It really does. You got to hold some of your calls and Coach Beamer does a great job of just staying in my ear on this is a possible for uh, go for it territory so make sure you're, you're, you're playing uh, coaching smart and I mean obviously UNC has a, a big time threat at quarterback to who could probably you know get most of the fourth downs. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs Tyler West and Chris along with you that was the voice of Gamecock's defensive coordinator Clayton White talking about North Carolina's ability on fourth down a season ago converted 71 percent of their fourth downs 25 of 35 south carolina let opponents convert 56 percent of their fourth downs last year 10 of 18 so when you talk about and they did bring in a transfer kicker in ryan co from cincinnati who does have a long of 52 yards a season ago when you talk about north carolina getting between that like 35 to 50 yard range at midfield they're definitely going to be looking to go for those fourth and shorts yeah that's kind of their trend from last year it seems like and if you if you have a quarterback as good as Drake may and again i go back to his wills the ability to run the football just the ability to have the threat to run the football that you have to account for him when you call your defense i think is huge for them i mean they they obviously put up a ton of points last year a lot of those guys are back. I think it's interesting. They're they're tight ends. You know, you start looking goal line, short yardage. They're tight ends. I don't feel like we've talked about them a ton. Listen to that spring game or watching that spring game and listen to the announcers. They, I mean, they're talking about this is some hyperbole, but they're like this may be the best tight end room in the country. I'm like, okay, simmer. But I mean, speaks to how they feel about that group. So really, uh, I think you look if, um, you know, if their top receiver is out, which right now is still nothing, you know, NCAA has still not, um, you know, cleared him, then that that could be huge for South Carolina because this otherwise was an offense that you would be sitting there saying, man, they have weapons just uh, across the board. And uh, even, Chris, looking at that receiver group, looking at the depth chart, it is littered with guys that South Carolina fans will remember. You got J.J. Jones in there as an oar on the two yep. deep. Um, I think he's at the second or third level. Um, Gavin Blackwell, who I believe is actually throwback Justice Cunningham's cousin. Mm-hmm. I think I remember that from recruiting. So this thing's littered with connections to the game. Bryson Nesbitt, who's yep. Jamar's son. The legacy. Um, yeah, and North Carolina lost their top two receivers from last season in Josh Jones and Antoine Green. And so if Tez Walker, who was a great player at Kent State, if, if he can't play, then you are relying on some guys who were more of uh, maybe a little bit more of a role player, you know, to take a step forward. Now, talented guys, right? You yeah. got 
J.J. Jones, Myrtle Beach that Wes mentioned. You got Kobe Pacer from Gaffney. He's another one. You know, 24 and 29 catches, respectfully, for those guys last season. Gavin Blackwell had 18. You know, they do have a pretty good tight end room with Bryson Nesbitt, Kamari Morales, who was second in terms of the tight ends and catches. John Copenhaver, a guy, another guy that South Carolina, you know, recruited some. So they have some guys who are productive, but they don't have Josh Downs, who caught 94 balls last year, right? Yeah. Antoine Green caught 43 passes. So you are counting on some guys to step in and step up. And so if, if Walker doesn't play, that helps you. I, I, think. I, I think it's safe to assume two days out that he's not going to get his eligibility in the next 24 hours. More but, it, but is not. it? Is yeah, it? I mean, I mean they, haven't we seen the NCAA clear guys on game day? They, they make it up as they go along. That's true. I mean, I'll, I'll put nothing past the NCAA, honestly. I think it's, <laughs> it seems it's, unlikely. Gets cleared at it halftime seems, for the second half? Yeah, probably. Probably. Get out there, son. Yeah. Last drive of the game up. or something. There'd be some WWE stuff right there. It's music hits. It, it's, and he yeah. runs out there for the final drive with two minutes left in the game. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. You kn- who knows? Who knows with the NCAA? But I, that, that just seems huge to me because they, they have weapons. Their running back room, we've talked about this, very deep. I mean, they got some talent there. They've got some guys that are maybe beat out, some guys who played a lot last year. And, you know, it's, it's a tough matchup for Carolina's defense. And speaking of defense, you know, th- there's been a lot of conversation about the linebackers at South Carolina and them being such a key to the run game. And, and so I think for North Carolina, you know, they're looking to take a big step forward defensively too, but they still have some good players. And, and I think the starting point there, the, the two biggest questions for me, can North Carolina's defensive line take a step forward? Can they play more up to their rankings potential that Wes was talking about earlier? And if they can, that'll make it tough because their linebackers, uh, Cedric Gray, he had 144 tackles last year. Power Eccles. I believe he was the ACC's leading tackler. Power Eccles, another. Both those guys from Charlotte, I believe. 103 tackles for Power Eccles. All-name team, too. Yeah, these these guys are disruptive. And so what you want to do, I mean, if they're active, okay, but you want that to be at the second level. You want to make them strain a little bit. And so, you know, controlling the line of scrimmage for this Gamecock offensive line that, yes, does have some questions, particularly on the tackles. You don't want guys that can run around and really affect things like Gray and Eccles. You don't want them to control the box. And they have shown that they have the capability to have that type of production. Um, it's just about this defensive line has kind of let North Carolina down. You, you want that to continue if you're South Carolina. You you would think as good as their linebackers are and, and have been, you know, as productive as they have been, you would think they would have been a better defense, frankly. Like generally, I mean, that is a pretty good sign that, you're, you're deep, you know, the fact South Carolina's top safety has been their leading tackler the last two years, generally is a bad sign. If your linebackers are collecting a bunch of tackles, it doesn't always mean that they're at or near the line of scrimmage, but generally it seems to be a decent sign for them. It's just hard to really fathom how, because they haven't just been average on defense. They've been bad, like legitimately bad. So it's hard to fathom that they could be as bad as they have been when you look at the talent that they do have on paper. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tomorrow's Football Friday. 
as we get you set for the final time ahead of Gamecocks and Tar Heels coming up Saturday night. We'll have buy or sell and all the fun things that Football Friday has in store. Coming up next, it's the Halftime Show. Terry broadcasting live out at the Nest Plumbing and Electrical Showroom in Columbia from noon to 3 right here on The Game. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.